Oh, spare, spare change? All in coin. Can't use that. You might have some spare change. Any spare, spare change? Can, any? I'll take debit cards. Debit cards will work too. Nothing? Nothing? Any, any spare change? Any, any change? Any change? Maggie, don't hold out on me. No, any change? Any change? Well, again, I would have taken debit cards as well. Welcome to Faith Promise this weekend. We are so glad you are here and cannot wait to experience the change that God has for us. Now, all of us have been in this situation before where you've been either getting on or off an interstate or maybe you've been in a parking lot and seen somebody panhandling for change. Or, uh, and we have a lot of thoughts in that moment, don't we? A lot of thoughts about uh, the person, maybe their situation about their past or maybe even their future. What's going to happen whenever they're, they're, they're going through this? We all think about our response, right? Some of us have a, a hard line response. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do something. I want to do as much as I can. But there's a lot of thoughts that go through our mind whenever we see someone. And I, I know this is even a, an intense term. It feels awkward, right? Some of you guys didn't want to look in the eyes, right? Because you have some change. I'll see you after service, right? But it's an awkward, even when you think about the word begging. But if we're honest, all of us have begging in our life. Maybe it's not for coins, maybe it's not for pennies, but maybe it's for just a little bit of change in your marriage or in your family. Maybe it's just a little bit of a spare change in your, in your career or in your calling. Maybe it's just a little bit of spare change in, in, a, in a, a, an addiction you have or, or an illness in a family member. Let me ask you this question. Faith promised at all of our campuses, and you're going to want to write things down this week, and you're going to want to get into what God has for us, but I want to ask you this to process and to think through in our time together. What change are you looking for in 2020? What change are you looking for in your life or in your situations or in your relationships? Because change is hard, isn't it? Change is so challenging. The only thing harder then the getting change in your life is holding on to it once you get it, right? Once you make a change, holding on to it. A lot of us, maybe you've got a change that you started making your life, something you, you've just started to turn the corner on and you're holding on to it desperately, hoping it doesn't slip through your fingers and afraid it would be gone for good. God has been working on something in my heart and it's been the last couple of years, but it worked out perfectly where we get to share and talk about it this week. And I have this concern deep within my heart that Christians, that believers, that promisers believe that all in change is impossible in their life. I mean, think about it. We're shocked when real change happens, aren't we? Whenever people tell you, hey, I'm going to lose some weight, and you're like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, right? There's a, we're, we're always with somebody, like, I'm going to quit smoking this year. Oh, I'm going to get out of that relationship, or oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. We, we have this doubt associated with change, and not just about other people, especially about ourselves. We have this doubt when it comes to change. Just think about this. This is a huge one. If you're a believer... At any of our campuses, you probably have one person, at least one person in your life, who doesn't know Jesus. And maybe for Heart for the Harvest or, or so many different times, we pray that they would give their life to Christ. Maybe you have somebody in your, in, in your family that you love and they're sick, and you pray that they would be healed. But if we're honest, doubt that real change exists has creeped into our hearts. Can we be set free this weekend? Can we believe, can we know that the doubt that real change is not available is a lie 
from the enemy. See, in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world in heavenly places. See, if it's something as small as wanting to drop a couple pounds, or if it's something as big as seeing somebody come to know Jesus, we have to believe that real change, real all-in change is available. But our battle is not against the surface level. Our battle is an eternal, it's a spiritual, one inside of what we believe about ourselves, We have a battle against the devil when it comes to real, all-in change. Speaking of the devil, let's use the gym as an example, okay? Let's use the gym. Let's use working out as an example. We're gonna be bold at all of our campuses, okay? At Faith Promise, we're real people with real problems. We're about to talk about a big one. Raise your hand if you had some sort of physical goal this year, maybe to lose some weight or to get stronger or something like that. Go ahead, raise your hand. Who's already had some falters in that goal? Who's already had a, what we call a cheeseburger, right? If they can make, if they can make cheese, broccoli tastes like cheeseburgers, we would be ripped and peeled, wouldn't we? Hey, now, 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 okay, okay, put your hands down across all the campus. Think about this. Let's, let's, let's get real. I'm not going to make you raise your hands, actually, because nobody raised their hands and make me look like a goober. Who has thought about quitting on a goal you have for this year already? I bet you there's a lot of us. I'll be totally transparent with you. Me and my wife, we, we're, we're generous people and we're, we're both pretty happy-go-lucky people. And you know what? We, we can save more. We want to we wanna give more in heart for the hearts. We want to do that stuff. So we, we were going to tighten our budget up and we were going we to be, we we're going to write it out and we still haven't done it. And every week I, I review my growth plan. I look at it and I write down notes of what I have and haven't done. And literally... On the third week of January, I almost deleted off my growth plan because I hadn't done it. On the third week, why do we do that? There's literally over 11 months left and there's something in us that says there's no way it's gonna happen. There's no way we can do this. Listen, Faith Promise, listen, get this. I want at every, at every part of who you are, I need you to receive this and know this. And when it comes to eternal things, anything, I need you to know this. When we lose hope, and God's changing us, we become beggars. When we lose hope that God can see real change, accomplish real change in us, we become beggars. We begin begging the world, panhandling for peace, mooching for mercy, table scraps of joy, handouts for happiness, loose change just of somebody passing by to give us some sort of love, somebody to drive past and fill our cup with a little bit of affirmation, a little bit of motivation. But that is not who God has called us to be. Listen, this is gonna be challenging. If you are a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, please listen to this. Believers were never meant to be beggars. Believers were never meant to be beggars. Believers were meant to receive everlasting and overflowing change. See, everlasting in your life and overflowing change where that change affects the lives of those around us. See, it's an election year, and I hope that everybody is involved in, in, in what's going on. I hope you're participating, but here's the deal. If you believe that real change can be accomplished in the White House and not God's house, you are not an all-in believer. You are a beggar, and that is not who God has called us to be. Amen? We, we are overcomers. That's who God's called us to be. So do you want change? Do you, do you want to see faith promise? Do we want real change all of our campuses? Do you want change? Come on. I'm tired of the divorce rate being 56-something percent. 
I'm tired of hatred and racism. and I'm, I'm tired of these things, these wars and rumors of wars. I'm tired of what the enemy has done to our culture. We need change. So let's stop rattling our lives, begging politicians, begging the economy, begging anything other than the creator for real change. Now, we're going to get into some practical ways this weekend where we can see and experience real change, but just something to start us off. In Hebrews 12, uh, the author is writing, and he's talking about how Jesus, how God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And I don't know who you believe the author of your life is. Sometimes we try to take our own pen and write the own narrative, right? But he talks about God as the author and the perfecter, and the author and the perfecter can make any change that he wants to make. And what's so special about that is in that passage, he tells us, listen, fix your eyes on Jesus. Not on what might happen, not what happened in the past, but fix your eyes on Jesus. So faith promise. Promise her, what sort of change are you looking for this year? Because all in change, listen, all in change is not something that will scrounge up through our works. All in change is something we'll experience by being all in on who God called us to be. Let's pray and ask him for eternal change this week. And God, we come before you this week in all of our campuses, and we ask for a radical move of you. We come before you, and we pray that the things, God, there's people in the room, they've been struggling with things for years. Some people, they've just started struggling with something recently, but you're going to set us free this weekend. There is going to be a shift. There is going to be a shift from the eternal to the eternal, God. There is going to be a shift where doubt is eradicated and trust and faith is built. God, we cannot wait to see a change, and not just a change, but it'll be a catalytic change through all of our camps, through all these communities, all the way through a country, God, to the world. Why not start in East Tennessee? Why not start? You will start wherever people will believe in all in change, and let that be us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's the question. How do we get and keep all in change? How do we get? Because it's hard to get change. And it's even hard to, to, to sustain change, to keep change. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to bum off a passage together that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard. It's, I absolutely love this passage. If you have your Bibles or if you want to look in your phone, it's going to be in Acts uh, chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. But here's something special. As I was praying and studying this week and I was thinking about what God had for us, our theme verse for the year is in Acts 2.42. And it says that they were continually devoting themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's our theme verse for the year. We are all in. Uh, we, we're all into who God has called us to be. We're all into the church. And here's something special as I was praying about what that looked like. I believe that that verse set the culture for the whole New Testament church. Now, if you've read through the New, New Testament, it's amazing what happened. People that were blind, they saw. People were healed just by shadows of believers. One church went from 120 to 3,000 in one day. It was amazing the stuff that happened. But I believe that Acts 2.42 set the culture. They, they said a little bit differently. In Acts 2.41, right before our theme verse, it said they were in awe of what God was doing. There's a culture that is created when we are all in. I just want you to know that as you're doing your Bible reading plans, you're doing your devotions, know that what we're talking about this year set the culture for a church like we've never seen, only one that's recorded in history that I believe God is calling us back to. So we're going to be 
in Acts 3. I'll start in verse 1. I love this passage. It says that now Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour to pray. They were going to the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Now, I need to celebrate something for a second. Across all of our campuses, the last three weekends, we've been doing these prayer meetings, and they have been absolutely amazing. This week, I just want to celebrate over 1,700 people at all of our campuses gathered to pray. Way to go, guys. Unbelievable. (laughs) Amazing. This weekend, over half of those were students and leaders on their knees begging God to move. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. I love that about our church. I love what God is doing. Hey, something that pastor has been pushing us to do this year is to be all in. Who's all in? Oh, come on, who's all in? That's right, so he's been pushing us to be all in. One of the tenets, one of the things that shows that you are all in is consistency in God's house. It's coming to be a part of what God is doing. Now listen, pastor talks about that. It's not for his benefit, I promise you. I've been with that man for 31 years now. He can preach if there's nobody in the room or if the room is full. I got a bunch of sermons where I got in trouble. I promise you that, right? It's not for his benefit that he wants you to come to church every week. It is for yours. Listen up, moms. Listen up, dad. Listen up, students. If you're listening, say I am. One of the top, actually the number two tenant, the number two reason that students avoid depression, unhappiness, and loneliness is attending church. The only thing before that is activities and and things like that. And that's not a Christian study, by the way. The number two thing that avoids students from going through that thing is attending church. Listen, because Peter and John, and we'll see later in the passage, but because Peter and John were consistently going towards God's house, they were putting God first. That's one of our values here at Faith Promise. They were putting God first. Because they were doing that, they put themselves in position to be on the path to experience the supernatural. They put themselves in position to be on the path to experience supernatural. So listen, that is why pastor begs us not to miss church. It's because something, there should be anticipation, right? You, you may have heard of FOMO. It's called the fear of missing out. There should be a fear of missing out at church. Some of you guys would never miss the opening night of a movie. Maybe you, you would never miss the opening night of a restaurant. You, there's things you wouldn't miss. Listen, Zach, are you, trying to, are you trying to tell me I should be fearful of missing church? Yes! Yes! Right? All 80 of you guys that are clapping, thank you. Listen, it's the most special thing you're a part of all week. It's where God is talking. It's where we come together in anticipation for what God is to say. Yes, I'm encouraging you if you have FOMO in any part of your life, it's about God's house. It's about group. It's about serving. It's about telling them of him. That's who we're called to be. We also see in that one verse that they were, they were consistent in prayer. See, Acts 2.42, when it says they, they were gathered together in prayer, as you continue to read, even the next chapter, that was not something they did once a week. It said the hour of prayer. They were going consistently to God's house. They made prayer something that was consistent. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a plan for prayer? Do you have a plan for prayer? It is absolutely huge that we have a plan for any all-in change that we want to see in our life. Listen, this is true. This is truth right here. I'm telling you, no matter what change you want to see, change without a plan is loose change waiting to be lost. Change without a plan 
is loose change waiting to be lost. It's so much easier to see all in change. Here's how I want you to let me give you a, let me give you a word picture here. A plan, you know what it is? It's a pocket to keep the change that God has called you to in. Now, this is the only thing I got from you guys was the all-in coin, which can't get a Coke with that. But either way, either way, a plan is the pocket for you to put that all-in change that God has called you to. Let's continue to go on in, in Acts 3, in verse 2. It says this, a man, <coughs> excuse me, a man who had been lame from birth. So there's a man who had been lame from his mother, mother's womb had been carried along. They used to set him there every day at the gate, which is called beautiful. So they had this guy they would carry every day and they would carry him there in order to beg for alms and beg for alms for people entering the temple. So th this is huge. This man wanted change. The, the, he, that Greek word where it talks about lame, that means there was, that there was something wrong with his feet. But listen, and for, from the beginning of his life, there was something wrong with his feet. This man was desperate for change. And not just change like this. He was desperate for an all-in real change in his life. Now, so here, can I also give you another challenge about coming to God's house? This man could not walk. He had people carry him to God's house, right? Some of us wake up, have a bad hair day. Ah, that's it. I'm not going to church. If I can't find something nice to wear, I'm not going. This man had people carrying him to church. And you know what? If he did not find his way to God's house, he would not experience the supernatural that God had laid out for him. Let me tell you this right here. Let me tell you this. At all of our camps, he came to God's house hoping to get a little bit of spare change, but he got an all-in supernatural change that he was not expecting. Some of you guys came to church this weekend just expecting a little bit of feel-good change. Just expecting, I gotta check this off the list, but God has something more for you. God has something eternal for you. God has something freeing for you that he wants you to walk away never the same. But we have to get rid of our excuses. This man had excuses. I, I, I do not want you to forget this. I am passionate about this. This is a couch cushion, a couch cushion that I love so desperately. But here, I, I, I need you to get this. God, God put this in my heart. So even if you don't like it, act like you do because I think it's good. Here's the deal. As I was thinking and praying about our excuses, because we've got excuses, don't we? Professional excuse makers, right? So here, and I was sitting on the couch and God said, Zach, excuses, they're the couch cushion for the change I've called you to be. See, what happens is we, we start to rest. Maybe either things get good or things get bad and we start to rest and our change falls in the cracks, never to be seen again. Our excuses are the couch cushion for the change that God has called us to. But faith promise, we're called to rest, we're called to sit, we're called to sit with each other, but we are not called to let our excuses rob the eternal change that God has called us to, amen? Amen, we're called to be overcomers. That is who we are called to be. So what kind of change are you looking for? See, this is challenging, this challenge right here. I will suggest to you that the kind of change you're looking for is what you're willing to change for. The kind of change you're looking for is, the, is what you're willing to change for. And I have this burden that a lot of us think our job is more important than our walk with God. Oh, Zach, why would you say that? You're not judging my heart, are you? No, ma'am, no, sir, I'm not. But I've been coming to this house, this church for a long time and serving you for a long time. And 
pastor or, or whoever's teaching or maybe a small group leader will get up and they'll tell you something and you can feel convicted inside that you know you're supposed to change something, that something's supposed to shift. Maybe you're supposed to start praying with your spouse. You're supposed to put down an addiction. You're supposed to start sharing your faith, spend time in the word. But how long does it take us to make that change? We did a study. It's been a while, but we did a study that it took people 13 months on average to start being generous when they came to faith promise. Now, it's been a while. I know we've gotten better since then, but it would take people over a year to start being generous at Faith Promise. Let's go to your job for a moment. And if your boss said, hey, I need you to come in at eight instead of 8.30, or hey, I need you to come in at 8.30 instead of nine, would you wait 13 months to do so? I don't think you would. I think you'd do it the next day. Would you be mad? Sure you would. I don't care if you come to church mad. Come to church mad, at least get in the house. You know what I'm saying? I have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion. It's true in my life, and I believe it's true in a lot of our lives that we take our jobs. Maybe we take even our hobbies more seriously than we take our walks with God. All in change changes our entire life. So what is it? What all in change is God calling you to in your life? What causes all in change? In Acts 3, um, it goes on to 3 through 5, and it says this. When he saw Peter, this is the man begging for alms. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Listen, this is it's good right here, church. And he said, but Peter, along with John, fixed their gaze onto him. I believe God's looking for some people who will take their gaze off of what matters most to you and fix it on the people in your life who are desperate for the eternal change, the overflowing change that God is putting to you. And they fixed their eyes on him. And it said that they said, look at us. And the man started to give them their attention. See, the man gave him their attention. I believe that the world would give us our attention, give us their attention if we asked for it. But I think there's been quite a bit of history where the world has given the church their attention. And we were just worried about spare change instead of eternal change. See, I want you to see the priority and importance of look at us, and he fixed their gaze on him. You see, look, this is, this is important. It's simple, but it's important. Where you look, you go. All in change affects where you look. What are you looking at? What are you dwelling on? What are you fixing your gaze? What gets to go? And listen, not everything just gets to go into your mind. Not just everything gets to go in. If you were sitting there with your kid or your mother, would you still watch it? I don't think so. I don't think so. We keep on going in that passage in Acts 6, 7 and 8. And it says, but Peter said, this is huge. Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. This is so special. He told him to walk and seizing him by the right hand, he pulled him up and immediately his ankles and feet were strengthened and he was able to walk. God is looking, God, we, we should be looking just like this man was looking for an eternal change, not the, not the spare change this world has to offer. We shouldn't be looking for the, the pennies that the world has to offer, but the priceless treasure that God has to offer. You may be saying, Zach, Zach, what, 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 what sort of priceless treasure could Jesus, could God have to offer me? And there's so many, we don't have time to talk about all of them. It, it would be like me trying to describe to you, like, what, what is Rachel, my wife? What does she offer me? And I, I couldn't tell you all those things, but can I tell you one of my favorite things? 
that God offers us, one of the treasures he offers us, but we're too busy holding the world's spare change to put our hands around it. Something so special is that Jesus left things for us to do. See, Jesus walked by this man before. It said every day they would, they would seat him, they'd seat this man going into the temple. Jesus walked past him. Jesus could have healed him, but Jesus left work for his apostles to do. How much, whenever you go through your day, has God left for you to do? Has God left for you to tell them of him, to serve others? He's left things for you to do. And listen, church, it's not an obligation. It's a celebration. Can you imagine? Jesus paid this whole bill, paid this whole bill for salvation and life and life to the full, and he lets us give it away. That's crazy. It's not an obligation, it's a celebration. You get to pray for people. You get to tell them about eternal life. You get to tell them that there's someone who loves them so desperately. And you know what? In a world of hurt and shame, it shouldn't make us cower back. It should make us pounce forward because ours is so opposite to it, amen? It's who God has called us to be. It's what God has called us to do. He's left things for us to do. That's why it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. We created in Jesus Christ, created him to do good work that he has planned and set before us. I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing that God would choose us and set things before us for us to be a part of life change. Do you think that the man who was healed with the lame feet experienced all in change? Do you think the man who was healed walked in a new purpose? I bet he did. I bet he did. One like he had only dreamed. And so we've been in the middle of this, this weekend, something called Fusion Weekend. It's been amazing. And there's been students who found all in purpose. They've been students who found all in identity. There's been students who will never be the same because of what God did. And so we wanna do at all of our campuses, we wanna take a minute and we wanna invite our student pastors to the stage. We wanna invite them up to tell. So student pastors, come on up. Faith Promise, we give them a hand while they come on up. I'm at Pastor Steve, come on up at the Tulsa campus. If you've never met Pastor Steve, this is Pastor Steve. Been here for a whopping like seven weeks. There so, it uh, is, seven no, weeks. No booze. So yeah, you guys give him a round of applause while we celebrate. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, Pastor Zach. Thank you, Faith Promise. It has already been a, a wonderful weekend. We are right at the uh, middle of the weekend. Uh, Effusion 2020, God is doing some amazing things. Let me just share real quick with you some numbers. I don't know if you like numbers. I like numbers because numbers represent lives and lives matter. Amen? Amen. We have almost a thousand teenagers, 892 teenagers are meeting here. Yeah, that's amazing. 892 teenagers. And remember what that means. 892 teenagers. That's 892 families. That's 892 students that are having impact on their schools. Lives are being changed. Y'all, we raised so much money to scholarship students, almost $7,000 in scholarships. That, yes, we, we give generosity here, and, and that comes from you investing in the next generation, the right now generation. So thank you so much. God is moving. We're going to be celebrating all weekend what God is doing, and we are so thankful and grateful that you have partnered with us to see this happen. Thank you, Pastor Zach. We love you, brother. Amen. Amen. One more so time. Give our Pastor Steve. That's awesome. That's awesome.
Now, I'm young in my leadership, and I've had some amazing mentors. And one of the things that I've learned is that the fastest way to change a culture is through celebration. The fastest way to change a culture is through celebration. It's not through rules, and it's not through edicts, but it's through celebration. And if we finish up the passage that we talked about in Acts chapter 3, in Acts chapter 3, 8 through 10, it says this. <laughs> just, just, I hope you read the Bible and imagine what they're saying. After, after Peter seized his hand and pulled him up and it said that his ankles, can you imagine for the first time feeling strength in your ankles? Here in just a minute, for the first time, some of you guys are gonna feel strength in your spirit that you've never felt before. But this man, he felt strength in his ankles and his feet for the first time. And in and, and, and verse eight, it said, with a leaf, he stood up and began to walk. He, he didn't have to learn. He'd been watching people walk his whole life, just waiting for his opportunity, right? So he was ready. When it was his number, he jumped, he leaped, and went, he went to the temple with them. He didn't run away to go buy something to eat or anything like that. He went straight in the temple to celebrate what God had done. He said he walked with them and praising God, and they, everybody around, took the people who, BTW, by the way, the they that are taking note of this man being healed, the ones who just killed Jesus, and it was in the name of Jesus, that he stood up. It doesn't matter what's tried to kill Jesus, kill the change in you, our God is greater. It doesn't even matter if it was you. It doesn't matter. What, happened, what God wants to do in you, he's stronger. He's stronger than any excuse that we've got. So we want to celebrate. You may be saying, Zach, man, I don't know about that change. I don't know about Jesus. I, I, I don't know about all that. I don't know that I deserve this change. Well, let me tell you some great news. Our God has changed to spare. See, whenever Jesus came and he died on the cross, he dumped, the, he dumped this thing called grace over us, which is all the change that we could ever want and ever need. He dumped it on us. And all we have to do is be a part of his family. All we have to do is say, you are mine. One of my favorite sinner's prayers I've ever heard is my dad's. Whenever he prayed and said, God, I've wrecked this life. If you want it, you can have it. And uh, I can't imagine how happy God was to have it. And can I tell you, if you're thinking, I I've wrecked my life, he wants it. Because the change that he has to offer is all that you need. And so if you want to join God in his relationship, we're going to do exactly what it says in Romans uh, 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he raised Jesus from the dead for your sins, you will be saved. And so we're going to do that right now together. That faith promise we're a family so we don't do things alone. So would you join me right now? Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Just me, you in the room right now. And we're going to confess with our mouth. If you're ready for real change in your life, this is your time. Join with me right now. Say, Jesus, I know I've sinned, but I know you came to forgive my sins, to take my guilt and give me grace. I will live for you because you died for me. Be Lord of my life. Be my first love. Before you look around, head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you made that decision tonight, if you made that decision, would you just raise your hand? Would you just let us know so we can celebrate with you? Just raise it high. Amen. Amen. Hands all over the room. Praise God. That's awesome. Amazing. Amazing. All right, you guys can look up. Can we celebrate with those people who gave their life to Christ? Amazing. Amazing. Hey, guys. We're about to enter into our time of generosity, but what I want to do, I just want to do something really quick.
Uh, in, in student ministry, we have something called the assimilation process. And if you decide to serve a student ministry, you go through four weeks where you, where you learn how we do ministry and you learn everything that God's doing in our culture and our values and what God is calling you to. But my favorite part of that process, my absolute favorite part of that process is everybody who serves in student ministry, the last night you get commissioned. The last night we lay our hands on you and we pray for you. We pray scripture over you and we send you out to change this world, to change these students, to see real all-in change in their life. And what I wanna do is I wanna pray for you right now. If there's somebody that says, Zach, I'm ready for all-in change. I'm ready to be commissioned into the life, the world-changing ministry that God has called me to. I would love the opportunity, the privilege, and the pleasure to pray for you right now. If you say, Zach, I wanna be a change agent. I wanna be all-in for all-in change. You just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Just raise your hand. If you say, Zach, I'm ready for that all-in change. I wanna be full of spirit. That's what I wanna be. Amazing, amazing. Listen to me. I'm going to pray this verse over you. It's Acts 1.8. It's Acts 1, and it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you should be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So right now, God, we come before you with hands raised, mine as well, and we pray for anointing. We pray for a commissioning. God, that we wouldn't just experience and live in all in change, but we would be conduits for it. God, that you would allow us to be the intersection of change in people's lives, of all in change, of Acts 2.42, 2.41, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, crazy, crazy change in people's lives. God, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to see. God, we want, to, we want our lives to look like just a way of people's change in eternity. God, please use us, commission us for your work. We love you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Has it been great to be in church tonight? It's been good. God is so good to us. We're going to enter into a time of generosity. And I, I don't know about you. I, I know I was, I was raised here and I'm, I may be a little biased. I like giving. I like being generous. The biggest, the biggest uh, thing that comes out of our paychecks in my house is to this house. Not to this house is in faith promise. This house is in God's house. It's amazing. When students are saved and baptized, it's crazy. Every time I pray, I'm shocked that I get to pray. And not only do I get to pray, I get to have a relationship with God and I get to sow into the kingdom. Being generous is not an, an obligation. It's a celebration. I want to give you an update on something you were generous to a few months ago. In Bahamas, there was a, a hurricane, Hurricane Dorian, that affected over 20,000 people. It was heartbreaking. We have some staff members with family in these areas who, who are all living together, who, who, are, who are in shelters. It's, it's unbelievable. But if you remember during December, you gave generously. You, you, were, you were so generous. And we filled up these Go Global boxes and we sent stuff out and lives were changed. 137 boxes of diapers. And, and there, there were nine babies who were completely clothed. That doesn't mean we bought them one onesie. That means we replaced every piece of clothing that they had before the hurricane. Whenever they walk into their closet, when they walk into their house, it's like the hurricane Dorian never came. And it's not because they know if they promise, but they do know of the Jesus that this Go Global box was sent with the love of. So it is amazing to be generous. As pastor teaches us, we'll never know the eternal impact of what you do. And so we have a mission trip, go to the Bahamas this summer. If you wanna be a part, please go on the, online and look at all of our mission trips. We would love to have you be a part. And I wanna pray uh, as we prepare to be generous. 
hey, I, I want to do something maybe it's a little awkward for you, but that's okay. Um, we had somebody, one of, one of our elders had a word of knowledge. There was somebody with some back pain in here tonight. So as I pray uh, for, for us to be generous, I'm going to pray for healing for you. I'm going to pray that God would, not, not that he hasn't already given to us so generously, but he would continue to give you generously in a complete healing. So let's pray right now together as we prepare to be generous. God, we're so grateful that we get to give. God, we're so grateful that we get to be generous. God, I pray for anybody in the room with infirmities. God, I pray for anybody in the room with back pain right now. Jova Rafa, you're the great physician. God, you put us together piece by piece so you have the ability, you have the potential, God, to heal wholly and completely. And that's the power that we pray to, God. We believe it. We believe it. We want to receive that power that you have. God, we are grateful for you. God, we serve you. God, we love you. We cannot wait to see what you do in our life. Thank you for the opportunity to give generously. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's serve in our generosity.